Morning. Couldn't have picked a better day, right? Isn't it great that we have the opportunity to gather as believers in Christ, knowing that wherever two or three are gathered in his presence, he's with us. That's why we come. We could have uh, each went our own way and sat on a beach somewhere. But there's something about being in the presence of God among his people that make all the difference in the world. So we're anticipating that this morning, the presence of Christ, his spirit, will make a difference in our lives because we have gathered in anticipation of him making a difference. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts, the third chapter, verses 11 through 26. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy One and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him, as you can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in, Israelite, in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he had promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from the people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the promises and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your grace toward us. We thank you that your love is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We would pray, O oh God, that you would continue to do your good work in our lives, allowing us to be transformed and recreated into the very image of Christ Jesus. We pray that you, Heavenly Father, would receive the honor and glory, and that even on this day, in the poor fallible words of a preacher, words of life be found. For we ask it in your Son's name and for his sake. Amen.
You ever like being made an object lesson? It's always wonderful when somebody points out and says, yeah, like him. And that's what's going on in this story. If you looked at the beginning of this story in chapter 3, there's a man who has been lame since birth. It says they put him in his place every morning. And he became an object lesson when people went to the temple. Because they believed that physical malady kept you out of the temple. Physical deformity was a curse from God. And this guy was born deformed from birth. They put him there. And when parents would go up the road and their kids to the temple, they'd say, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. You want to be like this? Keep it up. Or they'd go up and say, we know his parents. We know it's really not his fault. He was born this way. But we know his parents. Don't trust them. You can't trust those people. They're just like that. Object lesson. Object lesson. Nobody likes to be pointed out as an object lesson. Oh, you can't trust him. You can't trust her. You can't work with that guy. You can't listen to him. He doesn't know anything. All of a sudden, we categorize people and they become object lessons about the way life is. There's something about it. Something about getting caught in something terrible and then you become the object lesson for the rest of time. I remember him. How many of you went to high school? You still remember him, don't you? The guy who, or the gal who, and that's the way it is. And we've told our children about them. And we've raised our children not to be like them. The world is much more complicated than that, and we've come in grace to realize physical is just simply an outward manifestation. What goes on inside the person's mind and heart, that's where the real sin takes place. And the problem with the real sin is we hide it well. We can cloak it so that we can move away from being the object lesson. In fact, we've we've become pretty good at being able to dodge a sin or misdirect it so somebody else becomes the object lesson, not us. It's amazing how subtle and wicked sin is. But we twist it and turn it our way because we manipulate it. Once we've learned how to manipulate it, we become darn good at it. One lie One falsehood becomes another. And when it gets you out of trouble one time, you use it over and over and over again until your memory fails (laughs) and you get caught in a lie. But we, we, we like dodging. We don't like being revealed. We don't like letting our hearts be made known to the world. We don't like our sin on display because nobody likes to be an object lesson. Peter says to this man, look at me. I don't know how many years he sat there in his place. I don't know how many years 
people walked by him and he didn't make eye contact with them because he was ashamed about who he was and what he was. I, I just don't know how long. And if you ever get to be an object lesson, it's hard to look people in the eye because you're ashamed. Now, we've all heard of bold-faced liars. But most times, people are ashamed of their actions. And Peter says to him, look at me. It was probably the first time in years somebody actually had eye-to-eye contact with him. Look at me. I don't have gold or silver. That's not your problem. I don't know why we think that if we give somebody enough money, they're going to have their problems cured. No matter all the gold or silver in the world couldn't put his legs right. Gold and silver couldn't remove him from the object list. It couldn't repay for all the damage that had been done over the years to his soul. Because every time somebody went by, they took another piece of it as they walked through the gate. And there he sat. And gold and silver wasn't your problem. Grace was extended. In the name of Jesus, walk. It said when he got up, he didn't walk. He jumped and he yelled and he hollered and he bellowed. This was at 3 o'clock in the temple during the time of prayer. And he wondered why people came running. He, he became object lesson again. Only this time, it's a different object lesson. And Peter is quick to pick up on it. He says, why does this surprise you? What do you think, we did this? By our own strength and godliness, we did this? Gave strength to this man's limbs? No, let me tell you. And he begins in an interesting way. In the same way God made himself known to Moses, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God who made a promise to your forefathers that I am now fulfilling You, Moses, are going to go down and let the people free. In Jesus, the real slavery now has been vanquished. For the real slavery that we're a part of is we can't help but sin. And it's only in Jesus Christ that his life was given for ours. In his death, he took upon himself our sin. And in taking upon our sin, he put it to death to not control us anymore. Peter says to those who've gathered, unlike you, unlike you, he knows. Unlike you who put the Messiah to death, he called on him. Unlike you who turned him away for a different murderer, exchanged the prince of peace for a murderer, he embraced him. Don't you see that what you folks did consciously and in ignorance, somehow I don't understand how both of those work, but consciously and in ignorance, he consciously did. He embraced 
the hope that came with Christ. And that's why he is standing today. For those of us who know Christ and the power of his salvation, we can say, Amen. The only thing that separates the church from the world is God's grace toward us made known in Christ and applied to us by His Holy Spirit. And all we did was receive it because we knew we needed His grace. That's it. It's not because we live better than other people. It's not because we think better than other people. It's not because we had good parentage, although Dad's with me today, so I have to give him a nod. It's not because of all of those wonderful upbringings. It was because we became tired of being the object lesson and tired of trying to hide and finally said to Jesus, I accept your grace. And in that moment, we became forgiven. A moment when the burden was taken off and felt a whole lot lighter. John Bunyan has that wonderful picture of Christian who is so burdened by his sin, he can't wait to get out of the house. He has to flee, and he sees the gate, and he sees the cross at the top of the hill, and he's got to go. And as he runs, the burden rolls off his back, and he runs all the more to Jesus. That's our story. When we first tasted it, we longed for more of what he had for us. We wanted to know deeper, fuller, richer God's grace toward us. We did not want to be held back by our own sin anymore. We wanted to explore the grace of Christ. And Peter says, that's what's going on with him. I want you to see this object lesson. You knew him this way. But I want you to have this object lesson burned in your minds. I want you to see what forgiveness looks like. I want you to see what grace looks like. Because of the power of Jesus Christ, he has set him free from and then given him the power to. To turn away from sin and to turn to God. Recently, a book came out from John Jefferson Davis, a professor at Gordon College, uh, Gordon Conwell Seminary. And he said, I'm amazed at how Christians have so quickly thought of God's acts in their life in terms of major proportional things. But the truth of the matter is, God makes his will and purposes known in the extraordinarily ordinary things of life love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. These are known as human achievement. (laughs) These are the fruits of the Spirit. When we gather as a church, what we're trying to encourage is the work of the Spirit not only in our life, but in the life of others. Because we want to become an object lesson to the world. We want to be able to say to the world, what do you think, this comes from us? 
You think that we're that good of people? You're crazy. It is by the grace and the power of God that we are being transformed. And oh, we have a long way to go. One of the tremendous gifts that pastors are given is to preach the sermon of a saint who's lived with God. Most of those folks, while they are still alive, if you said to them, you're one of the saints of the church, they would laugh at you because they know how short they have fallen. But when you examine their life at the end of time, when it's their time has come and you can look honestly at their life, when they can become a true object lesson, a pastor simply has to preach about what Jesus Christ did and who Jesus Christ is and the gifts and graces that he bestowed and you find them in evidence in this one. And the church says, yeah. Church says, I don't know how we're going to get along without him or her. They really knew the Lord and they blessed us. I want my kids to grow up and be like him. I want my children to know her. I wish, she, I wish my children knew her. We've all had those people in our life that by the grace of God, they have gone from sinner to saint and have become an object lesson, one in which we aspire to live toward because of what they've achieved well, I shouldn't say that because of what Christ has done in their life. They have made a difference in ours. That's what Peter's driving at. And he wants the people of Israel to know you too can become an object lesson. When you receive grace from Jesus Christ and allow him to change your life over time, he changes and transforms and makes new, sometimes it's hard to see it. In the second book that John Bunyan wrote, where Christiana and Hopeful, her handmaiden, are getting new robes, Christiana says, how do I look? You see, there's no mirrors in heaven. You can't examine your own life and say, oh, I'm wonderful. It always takes the body, somebody in the church, to reflect back and say things like, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. When I was going through that hard time, thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for the way in which you cared for my kids. They still talk about you today. I want you to know how much I have appreciated your friendship and your love. It's made all the difference in the world. No mirrors. God's given to us a body. And he given to us a body where to encourage one another to live into Jesus Christ and up to God's expectation of us. You see, the world was set on its own agenda but God had a different agenda. 
there's a lot of times I meet people and they say things like this. Dave was last week. Dave said, I've kept God out here and I don't want to let him in. I said, Dave, you said that. I heard that. And the only one who's keeping God out of your life isn't God. It's you. Now you got to own that, Dave. And then you're going to have to answer the question, what are you going to do about that, Dave? Don't blame God for keeping him at arm's distance. You kept him at arm's distance. All it takes is an invitation to bring him in. Now, Dave, when you do, it's going to get strange quick because life is going to change. And things you thought you would never do will happen. First thing is, when you go into the church, it will not fall down. I know you've said that. Oh, if I go in there, it's going to fall down. Dave, it won't. And you're going to find yourself working with people that you think we're going to judge you. And you're going to find they're excited to see you. And they're glad to meet you. And they want you to know how much they love and care for you. And what God is doing in your life is exciting for them. Because we're not strangers. Do me a favor, would you please? When folks come to your church, please adopt this saying, we have a good church, but we have a great Savior. Don't say, we have a great church, because you'll disappoint people. We have a good church. Oh, but we have a great Savior. And what you find lacking in us, you'll never find lacking in Him. Where we disappoint you, He never fails. What he does, he does so in such a way that he keeps us living and moving and hoping in the midst of all kind of circumstances and trials because no one has ever done for us what Jesus has done for us. That's how Peter wants to communicate. The power of the resurrection gives us the privilege of turning away from the things of the past, and turning toward God. Embracing the gifts of the Spirit and allowing God to change us and transform us so that others might experience grace in our life. So let me ask you a question, church. What kind of object lesson are you? Are you object lesson number A? Oh boy, what a Christian that guy is what a Christian she is. Or are you some of the finest people I've ever met in my life? I'd love to know more about them. I'd love to know what makes them tick. There's something different about those folks. I want to know more. Let's pray. God, change us and transform us. Continue to mold us in the image of Christ Jesus. Help us to never take credit for it. It doesn't come from us. It comes from you. You loved us so much you sent your son. You loved us so much that you poured your grace. If anybody is keeping you at arm's length, Lord, it's not you. It's us. Change our hearts, O oh God. 
Make them ever new. Change our heart, O God. We long to be like you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.